As Pastor Jack mentioned, uh, I did move my family to San Francisco a little over a month ago. And then sitting here, listening to all the prayers and everything, I thought, man, I'm going to move back. Um, <laughs> this has been so good, because I, I know some of you have been to Mayor's Prayer Breakfast in other cities, and, and honestly, at times it can be trite. Um, and uh, we don't really get to the heart of the issue. And it's so good to be here and listen and to hear these guys pray passionately and really, really mean it. And really come before Almighty God and say, Lord, please do something, because we, we can't pull this off on our own. Uh, when, I, when I heard I was going to preach here at the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast, I went online to listen to last year's message. You know, and uh, I, I don't know how many of you are here to hear a Bishop Ulmer preach. You know, but I listened to that online, and I'm going, man, I can't do that. Yeah, that was good. Wasn't that amazing what he said last year? Um, yeah, absolutely. A lot of you guys are here. My question for those of you who were here is, what did you do as a result of that message? Think about it. Do you remember the message? Because you guys were amening, you were screaming, everything. But then what did you do that next week as a result of that talk? So I started to think, okay, I'm going to give a message, and probably half an hour from now you may forget this, but what, what will you do in light of what is spoken out of the Word of God? See, this is a huge problem. It, when we get together in these gatherings, we get together in our churches, and we listen to these messages, but then what do we actually do? It's like if you went to a Trojans football game, and any Trojan fans in here. You know, you, all right, you go to USC, let's say you go to the, you know, the, the game next season, and Matt Barkley calls the offense together, they huddle up, he calls a play, they, they clap, they, you know, they brave, they cheer, and then they run to the bench. <laughs> and then 30 seconds later, they come back and do another huddle. And then, you know, yeah, 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 good play, good play, and then they run to the bench. For whatever reason, maybe because they're going, oh, we can't go to the bowl game anyways. You, you know, what? what <laughs> but uh, you go and you watch and you go, well, this is, this is ridiculous. And I'm saying that's what the Church of Jesus Christ often looks like. You know, we gather and someone calls a play from the playbook and says, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then we all run to the bench and go, I can't wait till next Sunday when we huddle again. I can't wait, I can't wait till next prayer breakfast when we huddle again and we get around and someone's going to call a play and I'm going, man, the world is waiting for us to play ball. They're waiting for us to take the word of God and actually do something with it. And so I want to challenge you to that. I don't want this just to be this trite event where we, you know, give a little message, say a few prayers and we go back to our same old life. The word of God is supposed to transform us. It says we can deceive ourselves by being merely hearer of the word, hearers of the word, and not doers of the word. We fool ourselves. We kid ourselves. And the world is waiting for us to actually change. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, I pastored a church for 16 years. Um, a church that I started, and I absolutely love, I dearly love. In fact, I'll be preaching there tomorrow. Um, just love, love, love these people. Um, but something was stirring in my heart the whole time. And, and it's, it's been the same thing ever since I first became a Christian in high school. It's this, I would read this book, and then I would go to church, and I'd almost feel like, it's like two different things. Like, like I read the commitment level of people in this book, the intensity.
intensity with which they spoke to God, with which they lived their lives. And then I'd go to church and it, it just didn't feel the same. I, and, and it didn't seem to bother anyone else when I didn't say anything. You know, I just thought, well, everyone else is happy here. But when I'm alone reading this book, I always thought, no, there's more. There's more. There's more. But I, didn't, I never said anything because it seemed like everyone else was fine. And then a few years ago, I began to just say, you know what? Here's what I've always thought. And I just threw it all out on the table. And everyone started nodding their heads. I thought, you guys thought the same thing? That maybe we're fooling ourselves and everyone's nodding their heads. I thought, oh my gosh. You know, it took me so long to finally just say what was really on my mind and what I'd been observing in the church. And I realized a lot of people thought the same thing as they read the Word of God. And I thought, wow, this is an exciting... It, it was a turning point in my life. I mean, it was, right, it was right when I turned 40. You know, I turned 40 and I thought, wow, I'm practically dead. Let me just say... <laughs> say what I need to say, you know? I, I, I'm longer going to be here. And so you just throw it out and go, you know, let me just say everything that God says in this book. And he says in the end times, that's not going to be real popular. You know, people will go and try to listen, you know, and, and they'll go where, where their ears want to take them, to hear things that, that they want to hear. But when you look at the Word of God, you realize, wow, Jesus said some very difficult things. And, uh, and, and I, I, just let me warn you, I, I will say things today, that I, I'm guessing, I don't even know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say some things today that I, I'm pretty sure will be politically incorrect. Because I don't believe you can be politically correct and loving at the same time. Sometimes truth hurts. Sometimes, sometimes truth is offensive. I've had people come in my life say some pretty difficult things, offensive things that were absolutely true about my life. And I thank God for those people. You know, and if there was a little more honesty, uh, what, what an amazing place this could be. Um, we see it on American Idol, right? When, uh, when the girl that can't sing has her mom with you, telling her, you know, with her telling her that she can. And just be honest with your daughter, you know? <laughs> it was your lack of honesty that caused her to make a fool of herself in front of America. Um, but today, I, I, I want to talk to you uh, and talk to you honestly about prayer. I love prayer. I love talking about prayer. There have been so many times where I, I weep over an answer to prayer. Because I don't know that I love anything more on this earth than when God answers a prayer so specifically. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When you walk away, yeah. When you walk away and you go, that could not, it could not have been a coincidence. No one can convince me that's a That couldn't have happened. It, and you walk away going, I just spoke to God. And he listened to me. And he did something. And you just walk away going, okay, that's all I want. And, and then the, the regular things of the day, it just doesn't matter anymore. You go, I communicated with, with him, with God, with God. than that. What is better? I was talking to a lady a few months ago who was not a believer, and, and you know, and she had this disease, and we just started talking, and I, and, and, and when I talk about God, I, I always go to His Word, but then I, lately, I've been just going to answer prayer, because I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because of this book. 
But I also believe it because of the way he hears my prayer. I mean, I, I look through my life. I go, God, how did you did that? You did this. You did this. You did this. I, I mean, you went beyond what I prayed for. And it was so specific that, that it brings me to tears. And my wife is just in tears. And we just cry together going, God, are you this good to everyone? Do you listen to everyone like this? This is, this is unbelievable. And I'm sharing with this lady. And I'm just going through prayer requests. You know, just telling her, man, I prayed for this, and then this happened. She's like, what? I go, yeah, then I prayed for this, and then this happened. She's just going on and on, just amazed. And then at the end of it, she goes, and probably the best thing about all of that isn't even the answers to prayer. It's just the fact that you know someone's listening to you. And I said, exactly. That's exactly it. Is the stuff... It's, it's, it's whatever. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's what I wanted. It was the desires of my heart. It was the prayers at that time. But there's just this greater, amazing thought that I just spoke to God. And yet the Bible is clear. And here's where it may get difficult, but the Bible is so clear that God does not listen to every prayer. You've got to understand that. I know that's not a correct thing to say because we say, oh, just pray. Pray to whoever. Pray whatever. God doesn't listen to everything. It's all through the scriptures. There's times when he says, I hate the noise of your songs. Would you quit singing to me? I can't stand that. God says that. He says that in his word in the book of Amos. He goes, you know those harps you play? You think it's so, this beautiful melody? I can't stand it. Would you stop? Why? It's because of their lives. He doesn't listen to all of our prayers. Man, and, and I know the right thing to do at a prayer, you know, they say, hey, you know, just pray, pray to whoever, say whatever, and, and he'll listen. He doesn't. He doesn't always listen. I mean, that's the point of this book. He's telling us how to pray in a way that God will listen. I mean, you know, we, we, we all love um, James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, Right? And, and so it's not, oh good, we've got over a thousand people here. If we all pray, God will listen. No, God will listen to the prayer of one righteous person. Because the very next verse is my favorite verse in scripture where it says, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a man just like us. And he prayed. He said, God, I don't want you know, to let it not rain. And then it didn't rain. For years. Then he prayed again, and then it did rain. He, he didn't need a big group of famous people, rich people, whatever type of people. He just got on his face. And when you think about Elijah, one of our favorite Bible stories, right? Isn't it Elijah on Mount Carmel? Mount Carmel, he's standing, and he's got all the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah there. And what are these hundreds of people doing? Hundreds of these other prophets. They're praying, right? But at the end it says, but no one listened to them. Hundreds of people prayed for hours. Hundreds for hours to the point where they were even cutting themselves. And praying to their God. Saying, you know, light this thing on fire. And it says, no one paid attention. No one listened. So God didn't listen. Why? Because they weren't praying to him. They're praying to a false god. And then Elijah, one man, one man gets on his face and says, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God, Yahweh God, show them who you are. And suddenly fire comes down from heaven, right? 
fire comes down and consumes that sacrifice. My favorite part of the story, though, is it says that all everyone there walked away going, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They walked away going, okay, Elijah, your God's the real one. Ours, it's, you know, we were praying, I don't know what he was doing. He, he's, 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 he's doing the real thing. But your God, Elijah, was the real God. And so understand this whole myth about just pray to whatever, pray to this podium, pray to that microphone. You can. You can pray all day and cut yourselves and gather a hundred of your friends, hundreds of your friends. But if you're not praying to the right God, no one's going to listen because he ain't there. And Elijah, Elijah was the man who, and I love that verse, Elijah was a man just like us. Don't you love that? That, that means he's got nothing on me. Sometimes we read these Bible characters and we go, oh, Elijah, if I could be like, and then the Bible's saying, no, he's, he's a human being. He just prayed to the right God. He prayed to God Almighty with the faith that God listened. Because earlier in, in, in James, he says, you know, if you pray and you doubt, you're not going to receive anything. Because you're double-minded, unstable in all your ways. And I want you to think these things through, that when you pray, who are you praying to? And are you sure he's listening? Because the Bible says if you pray with doubt, he's not going to listen. Also in the book of James, he says God's not going to listen when you pray with the wrong motives. In, in James chapter 4, verse 3, he says this. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your own passions. Here's why God's not listening to your prayer, is you're just praying for your own passions. It's about what you want. It has nothing to do with God's agenda. It has nothing to do with what He wants. And you know, the Bible says whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, you do it all for His glory, not yours. Yet how many of your prayers are for your own glory? For your own selfish desires? And how many is it because once you came to believe in God, that transformation took place in your heart. You go, man, forget about me. It's all about you. I want your name to be great. Man, when I leave here, man, the last thing I want is for you to go, wow, Francis Chan was really good. Man, I, I want you to understand that there's this God in heaven who is so amazing. He's the one we got to focus on. Everything is about Him. Man, I, sorry, I'm just all over the place. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 1 Timothy 6 talks about this God because a lot of times we don't think about who we're speaking to. I'll confess as a pastor, man, sometimes I'll get up and it's time to close the service and I'll just start praying, but I'm not really focused. Probably like 50-50. Um, it's just hard. You're in front of a crowd and, you know, things are going. And, and then those times I stop and I think, okay, I'm speaking to God. And let me think about what that means. And those are the times when it changes everything to say. Um, and there's this passage in 1 Timothy 6 that I want us to focus on before we actually speak to him again. It says, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, 
whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Do you understand when we pray, we're praying to a God, the Bible says, is the only sovereign. Do you know what that means? He's the only one that has any control. I have no control. That's why we have this prayer breakfast, right? Because we're admitting, Lord, it doesn't matter if we put the most intelligent, the, the most powerful, you know, the wisest. Uh, we're not sovereign. They're not sovereign. They're not in control. They can't control tomorrow. The Bible says you're the only one that has any type of control here. Think about what that means. We're about to speak to someone who's in charge of everything. Whatever power you have, it's only because He allows you to have it. But then it says, He alone possesses immortality. Do something with me right now. Take the deepest breath you can. And let it out. Do you realize you were only able to do that because He allowed you to do that? You need to dwell on that thought. You need to think, wow, so there's another being who's letting me do this right now. Is he ever, it says he alone has immortality. He's the only one who really possesses life. I only have life because he is giving it to me right now. So I'm completely dependent. I mean, the other night I couldn't sleep and I was meditating on this verse. And so every breath, I, I just, as I exhale, God, thank you for that one. Yeah. Oh, God, you gave me that one. God, and just to realize, wow, who am I? I'm nothing. You're allowing me to breathe right now. And then the thought that I am going to speak to you. I am only breathing because he allows me to. The mayor is only breathing right now. As far as we know. Um, as long as the Lord is letting him, he alone possesses immortality. Satan is only in existence because he is allowing him. It's, it's just this one being, so why would we leave here thinking about anyone else, right? It's, it's, and and, and the, the verse that, uh, that Keith quoted earlier, which has really become like the prayer breakfast verse, the Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Yeah, it's, it's, we've got to humble ourselves and pray and seek His face. You, you see these words, if? What does that mean? It's conditional, right? So is God going to hear a prayer, you know, from arrogance? And is God going to hear the prayer where I come up and go, Father, it's Francis Chan. <laughs> New York Times bestseller. That's me. You go. <laughs> it's when we humble ourselves and say, you know, it doesn't matter what office I hold, it doesn't matter how much money I have. I'm nothing. I'm breathing because of you. 
Okay, I'm a sinner. I messed up my life. I threw everything in the trash. I rebelled against you. And then you, and the only reason why I can come to you right now is because man, I'm guilty and you paid for that with your son. Man, that's the only reason. Only reason why I come before you, God. Only reason why I have the audacity to come into your presence. Your word says I can because your son became sin on my behalf. And because he died on that cross for me. Otherwise, I'd never be able to face you. You dwell in unapproachable light. Man, I can't come into a holy God's presence and just start talking. No, God, but it's because you sent your son and he became sin on my behalf so that I became his righteousness. So somehow you look at me and you call me your child. And so I come before you and I call you Abba, I call you Daddy, because, you know, with all respect, our Father, Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know what, Lord, I come because of that, and here's what I bring before you, and it's such an honor to talk to you. What an amazing thought, but it's only because Jesus paid for my sins. Otherwise, I'd have no business coming in your presence. You would look at me as, as some dirty, rebellious enemy of yours. That's broken all your laws, broken your commands. But I came to Jesus because of what he did on the cross. Gives me access to you. And he put his spirit inside of me, which is intense to think that you're not just looking at flesh and blood up here. The spirit of God is inside of this body. Are you kidding me? The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of here. And so I come into your presence. And I come humbly, humbly seeking your face. And as it is also mentioned in that verse, and I turn from my wicked ways. If my people, called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then, well, I see. So it does, it's not all the prayers. Man, I, it, it, in fact, um, I had this guy in my church one time, and he says, you know, can you pray for me? Come up to the prayer room afterwards. He says, will you pray for me, pray for my relationship? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Tell me about your relationship. I'm with this woman, and she's married to another guy right now. But I just... I go, are you kidding me right now? And you want me to pray for this relationship? I go, you have got to be kidding. Do you know who we're about to talk to? <laughs> That's one of God's daughters. You're going to mess around with one of my daughters and then ask me for a favor? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. God's not going to listen to all of these prayers. And in fact, there's times when... Um, there have been times I confess when I I didn't pray because um, I didn't feel like I could. Uh, in First Peter three, he tells the husbands, "You better treat your wife as a fellow heir of the gospel of grace. You treat her with respect, as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered." And there have been times, man, I've gotten into it with my wife, and she took the humble route, and she, gosh, she was just this godly woman, and answered, you know, in such a, a loving way, and yet, 
you know, I said some things out of sarcasm or whatever else, and suddenly we're lying in bed, she's asleep, and I'm wanting to pray to God, and I'm thinking, I can't talk to you right now. I know what your word says. You're looking at Lisa, ooh, your little angel, and then here's me, you know? And I've got a choice. Either I wake my wife up and say, you know what, I am so sorry, I dishonored you, I was not respectful towards you, whatever else, or just don't even pray. Because he says, you know, your prayers can be hindered when you don't treat that woman I gave you with honor and love on her. And, uh, but here's the last time. The last, and there's others in Scripture. Read it yourself. I hope you do. Um, <laughs> one of my uh, favorite passages of late has been Isaiah 58. Um, where these people are fasting before God. They're praying and fasting, and God's, and God's not listening. They're fasting. They're not even eating. They would have skipped breakfast. How many of you would have came if there was no breakfast? Okay? And so these people are fasting and praying, and God's still saying, talk to the hand. <laughs> not listening to you. Because he says this, he says in verse 5, Isaiah 58, Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed? To spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? He says, Isn't this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the straps of the yoke? To let the oppressed go free? To break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? He says, Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. It, it says, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. He says, and, the, and, and, and my favorite part was, he says, then you'll, you'll, you shall call out and the Lord shall answer. And then you shall cry and he will say, here I am. I love that. He says, you guys are fasting, you're praying, you're doing all this other stuff. He goes, but what about all these people that are in need right now? You're doing nothing for them. He goes, man, if you would pour yourself out for the homeless, if you would pour yourself out for the hungry, then when you pray to me, I'll go, here I am, what do you want? I love that. I love that because, you, you know, there, there have been times in my life when I'm going, God, I don't even pray as hard as other people I know. And it's ridiculous the way you hear my prayers. I mean, silly things from little things to the massive things. I don't get it, God, why? And I read this passage. And I look back and go, wow, those were the times when I was just going for it and giving everything I could to those who were in need. And God says, when you do that and you show yourself and you make yourself, you know, not just talk about Jesus, but you become like him. Because those are times when you just, just say the word and I'll say, here I am. I'll answer quickly. You don't need me to fast and pray. Like, I mean, it's great to do, but I, I'm there. I'm there listening. You guys, I, I've been amazed. I've been amazed at God answered prayer. I could sit out, I could sit up here for hours and just tell you one thing after another after another where your jaw would just drop and go, shut up, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. But some of you guys would go, no, he's telling the truth, because that happens to me too. 
It, it's like he, he just listens. And it's amazing. And when he does it, you walk away going, I can't believe I just spoke to the God who's given me life, who dwells in unapproachable light. And he loves me. And he calls me his child. That, that if you were to go, here's the most amazing truth. See, I don't, sure, I like to be liked like everyone else, but it's about God. And it's about the, the thought that if you were to stand before God right now and say, hey, God, do you know Francis? That God himself would say, oh yeah, I love him. That's my son. What, what else do you need? You know, that we were called sons, we're called children of God, all because of what Jesus did for us, and we have that relationship with him. Look, here's what I've learned. Here's what I care about. You could just all look at me right now. Some of you will be looking at me 100 years from now. Some of us will be looking each other in the eyes 100 years from now. Not all of us. Come on, in a room this size, Really? There are lies here. There are people here that are pretending, faking this relationship with God. And others of you, you know him. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and listen, I, I first went into ministry because there was a passage in Matthew 7, 21 that freaked me out. Where Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And it's in that same chapter that he says, it's a very narrow road that leads to life. And few will find it. And it's this wide road that leads to destruction and many will enter through it. I thought, wow, so many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord. I mean, they're, they're deceived. They think that they're going to be let in. And God says, no, not everyone who just says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, somebody's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah, you went to church. I knew your brother. Man, I knew him. We had a relationship. He loved me. I loved him. May I answer his prayers? I never knew you. And, man, I'm not here to judge anyone. Because I've lived the fake life. I've done it. I've done the hypocrite thing. I've done that uh, pretending thing. But what, what, how, how long? Just think about how that's going to play out at the end. You just keep faking it. And you just pretend and let everyone in the room think, wow, what a godly man, what a godly woman. And then you stand before God and he says, I never knew you. And then what, then what do you do? Did you or at that point, do you go, that's okay, that's okay, because everyone on earth thinks I'm in heaven right now. 
your goal? You guys, I don't know what you're going to do with this. I'm done up here. And I don't know what you're going to do with this. If it's something where you just, oh, okay, that was good. Okay, let's go. i got to get to work and move on and forget about it. But I had to say something. And I had to look you in the eyes. And it would have been very unloving not to do that. Because I want this to be powerful. But it's not powerful just because a bunch of people are in the room. It's powerful when we really humble ourselves and we pray to the true God and we really turn from our wicked ways and we come honestly and just lay down all the lies and just say, God, here's what's really going on in my life. And maybe your first prayer is not to pray for L.A. because it's not going to do any good. Maybe you're not supposed to pray for the mayor because it's not going to do any good. Maybe your first prayer needs to be for yourself. To say, God, I'm exactly what that guy was talking about. I've been faking it. I need you. Change my heart. All I think about is me and my glory and my life. And I want to be a person that lives the way Jesus did and thought about others, thought about your glory and bring glory to you. So come into me and change me. And that's a beautiful thing. Is it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. He really will do that when you humble yourself. And I'm not asking for an invitation here. I'm saying when you're alone, wherever it is, and you can get real with God, who already knows everything about your life, do it. Do that. Get right before Him. Admit that you're not a good person, and that you need His Son, and you need what He did on that cross so that you could be forgiven, and that you need His Spirit to come into you to change you to become the person He wants you to be. And then once that happens, then pray for the mayor. Okay? And then pray for our city, and we'll see great success. So those of us who do know the Lord Jesus Christ and have been forgiven and, uh, and are right before the Lord right now, let's come before Him in prayer. Let's just bow your heads. Just bow your heads and close your eyes and just forget that anyone else is in the room. And think about this being in heaven who is allowing you to breathe and he determines whether or not you walk out this room. He dwells in unapproachable light and yet he loves you and sends his son to die for you. Now you speak to him. Pray on behalf. Pray on behalf of the people in this room that don't know him yet. Pray for them. <coughs> Father, I, I can't get my mind around the city right now. I can just think about the people in this room. And so I ask that your Holy Spirit would just move in this room help people understand that what I said was true because it comes from your word God I know you are real I know you exist I know you sent your son to die for me I know you love me and that's like the greatest statement I could make so Father my prayer is that we would all experience that joy that peace beyond comprehension of knowing you 
I thank you that you're the only one who is truly sovereign and you are in control of Los Angeles. And I pray that you would use it for your glory. Thank you that you're in control of our mayor, every other elected official. And I pray first and foremost, God, just for them as human beings, I just want them all to know you and to love you and adore you and enjoy you, God. I, I just love them as people. Forget their posi positions right now, God. I just want them to know you and be with you for all of eternity. And so, Father, for those who don't, I pray that you would change their hearts now and show them what a loving God you are. God, by the power of your spirit, would you open their eyes to just how wide and high and long and deep is your love. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the honor of coming to your presence, opening your word, and speaking to Almighty God. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray.